And hello from still sun-drenched Boise, Idaho. This is Extra Credit, your weekly podcast looking at education policy and education politics. I'm Kevin Richard. And I'm Clark Corbin. And as you might have heard, uh, there is an eclipse coming up on Monday. This Monday coming up? There's an eclipse coming up on Monday. Attention Idaho reporters, there is an eclipse coming up on Monday. So this is the final podcast before the eclipse. And if you're a doomsdayer, this could be the final podcast period. But I don't think so. But it is Eclipse Monday, and I wanted to start by talking a little bit about uh, what's happening and not happening in schools across Idaho as the eclipse approaches. Yeah, our multimedia journalist Andrew Reed did a story this week for us kind of uh, summing up some of the educational activities, some of the STEM activities surrounding the eclipse. And Andrew came up a lot with the line that several schools will literally be going dark uh, across Idaho on Monday. He had to do it. Yeah. But that's because a number of the bigger districts, the larger districts, and some of the districts in the path of totality uh, are opting to take the day off or start school a day late. Uh, but some districts uh, are going to be in session and let their ch- let the kids have an opportunity uh, to go outside maybe with their science teacher and learn a little bit. Uh, some schools have uh, astronomers uh, that are coming and going to be participating in activities. And Andrew highlighted just a couple of things that I thought were cool going on. It seems like the Weezer and Garden Valley School Districts, which mm-hmm. I think both of them are right in the path, right in the path of totality there, they have cool things going on where they're selling, whether it's camping spots on their athletic fields or parking places to raise money uh, for sports and boosters and different things like that. They're really trying to get the community involved with the school, it looks like, right? Right, Kevin? right. It looks like uh, what, what they've done. And, and Weezer, you know, let's take a step back and look at what's happened in Weezer and Weezer schools this past year. It was a really rough winter in Weezer. They were they were in the path of totality for a bunch of snow yeah. over winter, and it really caused some serious uh, damage in in the community and uh, some serious problems uh, in terms of getting the school calendar to work and uh, getting you know, you know you know you had students and staff up on the roof of the schools uh, getting snow off. So on the heels of that, now you've got the eclipse, and uh, for for Weezer, which. You know, it doesn't start school until the week after the eclipse. Uh, it's kind of an opportunity to, you know, as that whole community is expecting this big influx of, of tourists and visitors to to watch the eclipse on Monday. The, the school's looking at it as a potential uh, fundraiser for, uh, for for the schools and for the athletic program. Yeah, and I also wanted to point out a couple of districts that we know about, specifically Blaine County and Caldwell. They're going to be passing out those uh, eclipse safety glasses that we've all heard about and and seen going for obscene amounts of money. But uh, a couple of school districts, several school districts, it sounds like, are that are going to be in session and have already made plans to get the glasses and provide them to kids so that they have a safe opportunity uh, to to enjoy this probably once-in-a-lifetime right, opportunity right. for a lot of people. So... As we head into Monday, uh, a reminder, we are going to be uh, looking for for you to submit your photos. Uh, let us know how you're observing the eclipse, watching the eclipse uh, with, with your kids, uh, with, in your class if you're in session. We encourage you to send your photos to us. Uh, just submit them at the uh, Idaho News Facebook page, and we will uh, look them over. Uh, we, we will uh, be giving out some, some swag to, to winners who have submitted their photos. Mm-hmm. That swipe does not include slightly used eclipse glasses. It's actually <laughs> I guess if you want them. <laughs> well, we can throw them in, but uh, you know they won't have much use after Monday. But we will have some swag for folks who uh, 
who submit photos uh, will have a drawing off of that. We're just looking forward to seeing how people spend Monday uh, with kids and with uh, with classes observing. Because, like you said, Clark, I mean, this is once in a lifetime. Yeah, kind of a fun promotion. A few of us are going to be working and going to be uh, in town and around the office on Monday. So we'd love to give away some prizes. We'd love to see what you and your family or you and your local school are doing during the Eclipse uh, how you're learning about it, where you're hanging out, uh, what your experience was like, what you got to see. Uh, so head over to Facebook and tag us, uh, Idaho Education News, and we will be giving away some prizes and contacting folks just kind of at random uh, later in the week. So that's a fun way uh, to participate along with us and kind of show off how you're marking uh, this very unique opportunity. So I hope you guys have a lot of fun. I hope you stay safe out there, and I hope you do uh, have a pair of those Eclipse safety yeah. glasses. Use your glasses. I mean, that's kind of common sense. You've heard that a, a gazillion times by now. Use your glasses, and if you're driving to and from, from what we're hearing, <laughs> it's supposed to be crowded. So just be careful. All right, but have fun out there. Let's shift gears a little bit. Um, it's still 2017, but we're already looking at the 2018 elections. It's going to be a huge year for elections in yep. the state of Idaho. Kevin, you've started a project where you are connecting with the gubernatorial candidates. Mm -hmm. uh, tell me a little bit about the project and about who you met with this week. Well, what I'm going to try to do here in the next few weeks and, and couple of months is talk to some of the candidates in these open races, starting with the gubernatorial race first and foremost, but also uh, I want to sit down and talk to uh, the candidates in the uh, first congressional race, which is growing. We had uh, Representative Luke Malik, State Representative Luke Malik, jump into that race as well this week. But starting with the governor's race, because that has such a direct and profound effect on education in the state, uh, that kind of goes without saying. I uh, sat down on Tuesday with Tommy Alquist, the uh, Boise uh, developer and physician who has jumped into the race and jumped in with a, with a lot of money. He's outraised uh, Lieutenant Governor Brad Little. He's outraised uh, U.S. Rep. Raul Labrador. And I, I saw it as a chance to sit down and talk to him about education topics. That's what we're going to do with these interviews is, is really drill down into key topics in education. And, and the one that jumped out at me is, uh, as I talked to Alquist on Tuesday was the issue of school vouchers. Right. Um, now, this had come up briefly a couple of weeks ago at a, uh, state's, uh, at a superintendent's meeting, school district superintendents when they were in Boise. Uh, Alquist and Little both spoke to that group. And at the time, what Alquist said about vouchers was uh, that the devil's in the details. We need to know how it would work. Um, the campaign since said that that was not a complete answer, that he really is supportive of vouchers, but uh, he is concerned about how it would roll out and how it would implement, especially in small towns where, where choice options might not uh, come to fruition as readily. So I had a chance to kind of go into more detail with, uh, with him about vouchers, about school choice. And he's uh, solidly in favor of vouchers, but I think he's also aware that that is a big political hurdle because it's, it's unconstitutional at this point. You'd need to amend the Constitution, which is a difficult thing to do, especially when you're talking about something that's as sensitive as a school voucher system. That's what was interesting to me, Kevin, in terms of the positions that you guys really looked at and that discussion that you had. Talking about the rollout being difficult, that, this isn't just a, a, about applying this throughout small rural communities in Idaho. We're talking about a Republican candidate for governor advancing uh, a strong education position that right now is unconstitutional in the state, and, and right? Would, and would be a huge political lift for anybody, particularly a new governor. I mean, to, to get a voucher system 
in, in place. The simple reality is it is unconstitutional right now. The language in the state constitution is very strong and has been very politically durable. There's been no serious concerted uh, attempt that's had any headway in amending that constitution. In any amendment to the constitution, you get a two-thirds support in both houses. Then you get a ratification at the polls, which is just a simple majority. But uh, if you had an election on a constitutional amendment addressing vouchers, which, you know, I can only imagine what sort of a campaign that would be. That would be a national level campaign. You would have money coming in on both sides of that from, from across the country. It would be very reminiscent of what we saw in 2012 with the elections over props one, two, and three. It would be a really, really uh, daunting political challenge to take on. So, so interesting that uh, that Alquist would kind of come out of the shoot with that, saying that that's something that he, he would really want to want to pursue. It's a, it's a tough lift. We talked about a bunch of other issues, kind of clarified where he is on Common Core, kind of clarified some of what he's been talking about in terms of uh, state budget cuts and tax policy, and kind of a sense of what sort of leadership he would take, what sort of leadership approach he would take, what he would look for out of the state board. So there's a lot there. There's a lot to dive into in that story, and you can see it at idahoidnews.org. Andrew Reed was there with me. He uh, shot some video, so you can get uh, a couple of video clips from the interview as well. Yeah, it, it's, uh, it's a great project. I'm, I'm glad you're doing it. But yeah, uh, it's an important election. Uh, I, I know it's weird to be starting the campaign already and, and being talking about these issues. But, uh, but we some of these well, candidates, people don't know them. People don't know Tommy Alquist very well. And people may not know the other candidates. And education is the state's biggest e expense. Uh, education has been a prominent topic in political circles since we've been in journalism. Yeah, and, I mean, and, and, and I wanted to get kind of an early jump on looking at where these candidates stand on education topics to get the conversation started, to get, you know, to get voters maybe thinking about these elections. I know we're almost a year out from the, from the primaries and more than a year out from the general, but we're just trying to get the candidates on the record, give you a sense of where they stand, what they would do if elected. And like I say, gubernatorial race is our first order of business, but uh, I'm hoping to do the same thing with uh, the candidates in the first congressional district, another open race. Federal education policy is really interesting right now. It's, you know, we, we've talked about ESA every week. We'll talk about it again later in this show. Uh, talking again about vouchers and school choice is such a big issue now at the federal level. So, you know, we're going to pay more attention to a congressional race this time around than we have in the past. So I'm going to hope to get with the candidates early on there as well. And the thing I like about this project, Kevin, just really quickly, we're not handicapping the race. This isn't horse race coverage. You're trying to give people an idea of where the candidates stand on the issues that would affect their families. Yeah, we're just trying to get into the meat and potatoes yeah. of where these, guys, where these candidates stand on education topics. Uh, there will be plenty of polling stories. There will be plenty of horse race stuff that comes out. And we don't even see much polling stories until you know the election year anyway. But we want to kind of get it. A sense of where these uh, where these folks stand uh, on issues that matter to to parents, to, to teachers, to 
school administrators, right. how things that will affect classrooms. Yeah, exactly. It's a good project. Check it out over at IdahoEdNews.org. You talked with Tommy Alquist about school choice a little bit. That was one of the topics that uh, came up. And that's something that we've heard with uh, President Trump's administration and U.S. Secretary of Education Betsy DeVos. But have we had a chance yet to talk about uh, the new public opinion survey that talked about mm -hmm. school choice and talked about charters? I know you took a look at that, Kevin, uh, and there were some interesting findings. Interesting survey. Uh, we kind of deviated a little bit to look at a national survey, but uh, an interesting national survey, especially in light of the debate that's going on at the federal level on school choice issues. The takeaways from this survey uh, conducted by uh, teams from Harvard and Stanford universities, a pretty significant decline in support for charter schools. Uh, a year ago, 51% of respondents said they supported charter schools. Now that number is down to 39% and falls right within the margin of error. When you when you look at the respondents who said they were opposed and the respondents who had no opinion, you're right within that uh, margin of error. And it comes you know, several months into this uh, new administration, an administration that has made school choice its, uh, its hallmark issue. Also some mixed results about vouchers, about education savings accounts, so we, we get into that. And Common Core, which may become more and more of an issue as we head into the 2018 elections, some, some interesting national survey responses on Common Core. Support opposition on Common Core, that also fell within mm -hmm. the margin of error. But... Only when you mention Common Core by name. A little bit of a, it's, it's a a branding, branding problem. Of Common Core. Yeah. No, not surprisingly, that, that's a very uh, loaded term with a lot of folks. So when respondents were asked a more generic question about academic standards that are basically Common Core standards, but nobody said Common Core, uh, support was, uh, was pretty strong and well outside of the margin of error. So uh, interesting about the brand of Common Core. Uh, some interesting responses. Anyway, we link to the whole survey. You can dive into as many numbers as you want. Yeah. And we give kind of a summary of it uh, at my blog at idahoidnews.org. All right. Sounds good. Be sure to look uh, for that one over at the website and check it out. Moving on. You know, it wouldn't be a week in the summer without talking about uh, Every Student Succeeds Act, ESSA. The ESSA compliance process uh, took one more incremental step this week. Uh, now the ball is in Butchotter's court, is it not? Yeah, last week the big story was the State Board of Education down in Pocatello voting to approve the state's ESSA plan. This week on Wednesday, State Superintendent Sherry Ibarra and State Board of Education President Linda Clark officially signed off on the Every Student Succeeds Act compliance yeah, They look really happy. We had a really happy well, we photo. We got a photo of them. that uh, you can check out on our website uh, where they do look very happy to have uh, moved this down the, the chain of command, so to speak. But it's on Governor Otter's desk at this point. Mm -hmm. I had a chance to visit uh, with some of his top staffers. Haven't yet talked to the governor, but talked to some of his top staffers this week. He just got the plan on Wednesday. Uh, his deputy chief of staff, Marilyn Whitney, his education liaison, has been following it all summer. Was at a lot of the meetings I was at. She's been briefing the governor. And the governor did kind of play a proactive role as they developed an earlier one of the smaller components of, the, or one of the many components of the plan, the accountability plan, which went through the legislature last year, uh, the governor did play a role in, um, you know, helping advise them as that was developed and so forth. But anyways, the governor now has 30 days to look at it. Uh, interesting to me, his staff said that he plans on issuing a written response to Superintendent Ibarra, uh, kind of containing his thoughts and his position on the plan so far. Um, 
the staff said that it doesn't appear to have anything that would conflict with the governor's overall vision for education or the task force recommendations, which have sort of been the blueprint for mm-hmm. education reform over the last four years. They don't really see any big conflicts there, and they expect education to again be uh, the governor's top priority as he enters uh, his final legislative session in 2018. So if you want to find out just a little bit more about the process, the big next step, uh, of course, is the governor reviewing this and then that September 18th deadline to submit that to the federal government. Uh, They have about 120 days to review it and they could accept it. They could send it back for changes. Theoretically, I guess they could reject it. Um, And so it's really interesting at this point. It's been more than a year in development. It was a hot button controversial issue uh, this summer devoted a lot of words and a lot of coverage uh, to the ESA plan just because it's so important. You know, this matters because it's an application for $83 million in federal funds. We're also talking about the accountability system, and we're talking about Idaho's plan to implement nine different federal programs. And a lot of those programs, Kevin, either benefit students uh, with disabilities or economic disadvantages, or they direct funding uh, for uh, professional development, for additional training for your teachers and your educators across the state. So it's an important plan that will shape school policy for the years to come, and that's why we've been focusing on it uh, so much this summer. If you want to find out a little bit more about the governor's priorities and how he'll approach that, you can head over to Idaho Ed News and check out that story. One other story to get to this week, uh, some news from the uh, Idaho Department of Lands, from the Land Board, a little bit of extra money coming into Idaho schools. They won't see it until uh, next budget year, but a little bit of a bump in endowment dollars. Uh, you had the story on that uh, as well, Clark. Uh, give, us the, give us the rundown. Yeah, the Land Board met earlier this week in Boise, and, and thanks to uh, healthy timber sales on state endowment lands, public schools are going to get a little increase in funding for next year. Uh, looking to be just over $50 million, and it's not this year's budget. They won't get the money until next year, uh, but uh, I believe that's about a 7% increase from what schools had gotten during the current budget year. And, uh, yeah, the land board it, it comprises uh, Superintendent Ybarra, mm-hmm. Governor Otter, Attorney General Lawrence Wasden, and the rest of the state's constitutional officers in there charged with kind of helping the Idaho Department of Lands kind of direct uh, these endowment programs. There's, I believe, eight different beneficiaries, public schools, universities. Public schools being by far the largest. Yeah. So a little bit of uh, good news uh, as we head into the beginning of the school year here, looking ahead to the next budget. Slight increase, uh, about $50 million uh, coming to schools, uh, courtesy of those timber sales on those state endowment lands. So we'll continue to watch that. That's just a very, very small percentage, though, of the overall public school budget. Uh, which reached nearly $1.7 billion in state general fund money this year. So uh, it is an increase, but uh, it's a small amount of money when we talk about the overall state budget. But uh, I think that gets us caught up on all the headlines from this week. I did want to point out a couple districts have already gone back to school, uh, which is crazy to me. And and we'll see this over the next two, three weeks. Some districts uh, won't even go back to school until the very beginning of September, but some schools are already in session, and right. so summer is already over for some kids, for, right? For some kids. I think Twin Falls is one example. We talked about them a little bit, and we talked about them in the Eclipse story. They went back into session on Thursday, so they're they're ready to uh, use the Eclipse as a learning opportunity. A lot of schools opening uh, next week. So uh, summer is really winding down uh, across the state in, in schools across Idaho. It's uh, It's getting back to work.
It is. Well, I hope everybody has uh, a great weekend, and I uh, hope you have a great time, and you're able to out have some fun during the eclipse. Hang on to those eclipse photos. Post them on our Facebook page. Also, uh, just planting a little seed for a future promotional contest. As your students go back to school, you might want to save those back-to-school photos. I believe we will probably uh, be running some contest or ask to see and share your photos uh, in the coming weeks ahead. So save those and be thinking about us as well. But uh, thanks so much. As always, you can follow all of our breaking news where we post on Twitter at Idaho Ed News. We always have a lot of fun on Extra Credit, so thanks for listening. I'm Clark. I'm Kevin. Have a good week.